This is Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in this fine city and decided to do something about it. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm Melanie Trump-Hooper. I'm John Thruffle. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And we have a packed podcast uh, this round because we've seen a lot of stuff over the last uh, while. We've got Blue Bridges, Drawer Boy, Shakespeare, Pericles, The Tempest, Scampede, uh, Andrew Bailey's Brain Machine. We're going to be talking about Illicit, The Belfry, The Eventide, um, music series. And what did I miss? Anything else? I think that's That's it. it. Maybe a quick look at the next couple weeks. A quick look at the next couple weeks. And before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we're discussing today has also been created and performed here. Nice. Well, let's uh, dive right in. Let's start off with the drawer boy because it's already closed, Um, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. Uh, Melanie, you and Amanda saw that one? Yeah, definitely worth talking about. Uh, I'll let you go first. What did you think? I really loved it. It, it was the standout uh, that I've seen at Blue Bridge in the last couple of years, actually. And it's, um, I think, quite a well-known piece of Canadian theatre uh, written in the late 90s, but takes place in the 70s, where there's a little bit uh, city mouse, country country mouse uh, di- dynamic in it, where a young actor goes out to the country to shadow some farmers and figure out what their, their life looks like because he's writing uh play as part of a collective on what farm life is and so the first half was a lot of um maybe dated humor but still got some great laughs around that you know city boy learning how to drive a tractor city boy and cows and whatnot and then the the drama and tension really built in the second half where you started to learn more about these farmers um played just amazingly by Gary Farmer and, and Michael Armstrong in those two lead roles and and what their shared history was and and little bits and pieces that were coming undone and as the as the truth came out as the, the second half built of what their what their past and, and relationship with each other is and yeah. Yeah, yeah, like like you said, a lot of a lot more comedy in the mm-hmm. first half. And even though you kinda of got a sense of where the story was going at least in the fact, you know, the idea that, you know, not everything that these folk, this fellow had been told was the truth. Yeah. Uh, still, pal- like, really, really palatable tension. Yeah. Like, you were on the edge of your seat for that last half of the show. And from the moment Gary Farmer took the stage, there's, mm-hmm. like, this kind of little brief scene before the action really starts and the he, where he's uh, making sandwiches. Yes. And just from that very moment, he just had you captivated. He was mm-hmm. he was excellent. I mean, all three of the actors were great, but um, he yeah he re- he really uh, embodied the whole, the essence of his character immediately mm-hmm. upon getting on stage. And I I also really loved the the set. Yeah, and uh, it was quite simple. And uh, I loved that uh, I went. I guess it was Saturday, uh, and you walked in and you could still smell the like freshly planed wood mm-hmm. and it, the, the set was this very kind of uh bare bones just kind of uh frame how frame of a house basically mm-hmm. and uh you could see right through the floorboards like you looked at when you were in the audience you could see into the front of the stage mm-hmm. like through it 
And uh, th th those were all really nice little touches that really fit well with the theme of the sh a lot of the themes of the totally. show. And uh, th those really stood out for me too. Mm -hmm. And it had the perfect creaky farm door. So they had, because <laughs> they had to do a lot in that space, go inside, outside, you know, we're, we're roving about an entire farm and in a community and that with one squeak of the door, we're able to yeah make really good use of, of that space and bring the audience back and forth too. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Set design was really, really simple, but clever, worked and very functional. Yeah, very strong, strong piece. And great direction by Jacob Rich Richmond, too. Like, he, uh, mm -hmm. it was a very tight piece. There were there were never any parts where I felt like it lagged, even though there were some slower, more tender scenes, definitely, in the show. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I um, highly, highly recommend it. Well, I mean, I guess you can't see it now. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> but it was, it was excellent. It yes, was, yeah. very, yeah. very good show. So Michael Armstrong and Gary Farmer, uh, sort of the old hands of the show, Griffin mm -hmm. Lee. Most people know Griffin Lee from Hedwig or from Rocky Horror in town. Uh, how did he do with his, uh, his dramatic role? Pretty good. I mean, he actually was a lot of the comedy, mm -hmm. comic relief in the show, I would say. His character yeah. was played up for laughs a lot. A bit of heavy lifting to do, especially near the end. And uh, yeah, he, he did mm -hmm. fairly well at it. I wouldn't say, I, I'd say the comedic bits were strong, his stronger points. But yeah. Um, yeah, he held his own there for sure. And, uh, you know, he Especially enjoyable. in a character, which is a little bit of foil to get the drama to come out. Like mm -hmm. his... He's not really what you're there for, and yet he's the whole setup of how you're how you're gonna um, get these two men lawn friends relationship to come out. And yet I think even with that, with kind of the lighter material, um, he he really made it shine in, in a character that's that's not there. It's meant to yeah stand out. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. It was really good. Mm -hmm. um, Sarah, also in things that are uh, done, uh, you went to the one night only illicit at the Belfry. Yeah, I saw Illicit um, at the Belfry. Illicit, uh, A Shadow Story is the title of it. And it's um, it's a show that's from Vancouver, from the downtown east side of Vancouver, that is um, performed and created by people with lived experience in the overdose crisis. Um, so, you know, going in, you know, it's going to be pretty intense. And um, it was, when you got there, you saw that people were, you know, there a lot of people, I think, were there for a reason. A lot of harm reduction workers, you know, after reporting on the overdose crisis for like, you know, the last couple of years, you really get to sort of recognize people. So the vibe in there was a little bit tense because you could see everyone had probably lost someone, like who hasn't been touched by it at this point. Um, and immediately from the very beginning, you know, there are tears and there were, but there were light moments too. The story basically is almost like a day in the life. Like there are characters, and they sort of go through what it's centered around um, one woman who um, is, has lived experience and who is sort of like the lead of the local um, overdose prevention site on the downtown east side. Um, working so hard, like saving lives and um, her friends' lives and just the sort of network and family of people that's created around responding to the crisis and and how much how intense it is for people while they're dealing with their own um, health and addictions issues and um, and probably the most you know impactful scene for me and I think because you could hear tears in the crowd was behind a screen um, so it was done in shadows they reenacted what it was like to attend to an overdose with naloxone mm. of someone who is a friend and um, and even, you know, if you can save someone's life, how, how 
rattling that is. So yeah, it was it was really interesting too because the, you know these aren't actors; they're not professional actors and um, or playwrights. The story that they put together was so real, and they were so present in it. But there was a a sweetness to the rough edges, like just like a sweetness to it, you know, to people talking about their own experiences. And, and there are some light moments. Um, and yeah, it was just beautifully done. And I really respect the people who came and performed that and relived that every night. And they just had so much pride in, in you know, I think the work they do, but the response that they were given, which is really positive. They started the show with a, a letter of welcome from the mayor and they were totally jazzed and I just, yeah, I feel like it's important and it's useful to reflect on these kind of big crises um, through art mm. and through, you know, witnessing and being present for people who have had these experiences. Was it, uh, was it verbatim theater or was there a script that they were working from or? It was almost like loose improv. Loose improv. Um, oh, I think, okay. it, I think there was a script, okay. but it, it was a bit loose. Yeah. Huh. And so each of the characters talked a little bit about their background and, um, you know, the sto their stories and struggles with their families of wanting to be treated like, you know, like a person and, and, um, but also really supporting each other. So. Yeah, I, I tried to go to that show, but uh, it was the day after my my brother's birthday, and uh, I know everyone here knows, but people listening might not know. My, I lost my brother to a drug overdose about seven years ago, so I just I thought I could do it, and then I just couldn't. Right, like I it was so I yeah I can't imagine performing that piece every night. You know, like it would be like even just listening to you describe it. I, yeah, I just. Uh, I, I do know that it is going on tour though, so yeah, I think I uh, yeah, it's uh, and hopefully it uh, comes back here in some form. But I imagine it's it's hard work for the people doing the show to do it night after night. So um, yeah, and and I should say uh, the uh, the place where I work at, but Uvic, we partially funded that program just mm -hmm. to um, yeah, we have these grants that help fund uh, dialogues around. Uh, opioid use and the overdose crisis and they were one of the uh, we did uh, one of the uh, recipients of one of those grants just mm -hmm. in the uh, interest of transparency I should should mention that but uh, do we uh, uh, touring west coast touring BC touring I, Canada? I believe it's mostly western Canada I think like the date for the Victoria show was announced quite last minute so I think they're just trying yeah. to figure it yeah, out you know on Facebook yeah and the and all the dates are there but yeah I think their website is illicit.blog so mm. I would say if you're interested yeah. uh yeah check them out and uh yeah it's, uh, it's really meaningful yeah great speaking mm. of other one night shows brain machine yeah Andrew Bailey a well-known monologuist from Victoria but now Vancouver based uh, brought his show that I think toured the Fringe Circuit where he got in last year, his new one-man show, uh, Brain Machine, to Victoria for one night on a Monday night at uh, 7 or 8 o'clock, something like that, and still managed to, to pretty much pack the Victoria Event Center with it. Um, it was it just builds on, on um, his already kind of excellent, very uh, 
self self deprecating and and um, observational work uh, that that he builds monologues from his own experiences. And so, the topic that he tackled in this one was juxtaposing the history of the internet and what the the ideology was behind the creation of the internet from its from its very roots with his own experience of going viral and really broader topics around um air air greater connectivity to each other because of technology and then how how much it can break associations too based on internet commenting and just what what it means and looks like to go viral online and connect with people on mass and yet in your own uh, in your own kind of experiences uh in real life not necessarily um be having that same experience and so uh andrew's Dramaturgy is always really strong. I know he works with with um, really great storytellers to help bring out those threads. And his show is so simple; it's always so bare bones. Where he was, it was him. It was a stool, and how he went back and forth between the, the history lesson and his own story was simply putting a lap coat on and off. <laughs> and he got sweatier and sweatier because it is freaking <laughs> cooking in the Victoria yeah. Event Center right now. And so it would start to stick. And he can also. Um, ad lib very well and he's he's a good improviser so he didn't he didn't let that thwart him and it was just a really powerful piece um, very thoughtful and intelligent piece around um, this idea of, of associations and, and really the internet coming post World War II with the idea that connecting us to each other more would help us understand each other and would stop this from happening in the future to you know 70 years later and how people fight use this as a new opportunity to fight and disconnect from each other so no it's beautiful i think it's totally appropriate fair for something like no fast i won't be surprised if it comes back to town there um he's taking it to the winnipeg fringe this week um so it's definitely a, a show he's still putting out there and i wouldn't be surprised if it'll come back to yeah and it, it, interestingly enough it was uh i was speaking with him about it beforehand and it's the first show that he's done that isn't just about his own experience yes which I found to be kind of interesting, like the fact that he did all this research about the history of the web and the internet and all that yeah. and wove that in, like that was something new for him as a performer. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was sad to miss that one too. Mm -hmm. I'm getting flashbacks of Andrew Bailey at Atomic Vaudeville 10 years ago and his like <laughs> beloved monologue rants mm -hmm. which weren't necessarily about him a little bit but like he was great at, that was his you know yeah. his gift and so is it how is it to see that evolve into these you know it's just more polished but it is that same um timing his his comic timing is brilliant his uh vocabulary and his little kind of smirks that he gives to the side when he's waiting for the audience to catch up it's all still there <laughs> he's just got a little bit more polish uh with by weaving it all uh, together and practice through monologue but you're right it's that same um same performance style uh, in atomic vaudeville that that made victoria audiences fall in love with him i think mm -hmm. yeah great that he got a good show showing for uh you know coming back to town after being away for a while so mm -hmm. Yeah, I spent the weekend at Scampede. Uh, I didn't do. I decided not to do it all in one shot because it was so hot. Mm -hmm. uh, Scampede for people who don't know, which surprises me that people don't know, but people don't know. Mm -hmm. After ten years, it used to be bike ride. Now it's uh, Scampede Theater Scams, a bicycle-based mini theater festival along the Galloping Goose Trail. Uh, this year there are sixteen plays, most of them about ten minutes long, 
And I could not believe the number of people who were riding past us on the goose going, what's going on? Hey, what's this? Is the goose closed? What's up? And after 10 years, I just assumed that people would know about it. But but no. How many of them stopped to catch a play and see what was going on? Yeah, probably not many, which yeah. is too bad. I haven't heard yet if their numbers were up uh, informally. I heard on Saturday that they it seemed like their numbers were higher. So, But I haven't heard actually anything yet. Uh, it might have made a difference this year. It was all free. So there was no ticket price this year. People could just come and get your button and go off and do the shows um so i did them all i saw all of them what? Uh, spend, i did spend over two days uh i really enjoyed the the opportunity of seeing them all uh beautiful way to spend a sunny day cool breeze riding along did the you do the typewriter one i, I did the type the typewriter one, cool one is on one of my list so yeah they're very diverse shows uh some comedy some little dramas some dance some storytelling some straight up what you'd expect from a play uh, so they're all across the board, some more successful than others, of course, some people, uh, it's funny with a little 10 minute play, sometimes 10 minutes can seem so short and so much is packed into it. And then other times 10 minutes can seem so long. <laughs> it's like, really? Is this it? <laughs> so, um, I had some really, I had some faves, uh, Hush Money, uh, local company, Hush Money did a really great one called Community Outreach, which was about, um, uh, two people meeting at a park bench, both with baby carriages. And it just played with the audience as expectations, of what you thought was going on and had a great twist at the end. That was fantastic. Uh, Kai Tadai uh, relaunched uh, The Real Skater Boy, which was a great little piece about uh, being a transgendered youth and expectations and uh, societal expectations and parental expectations. Uh, Launchpad, always a favorite. Uh, they did a really fun sort of 1930s Hollywood live radio play format. And it was Rainforest Rose and the Fate of the Phantom Orchid. But it was uh, all about West Coast environment and uh, flora and fauna and stuff, but done in this sort of Pulp Fiction manner. Super fun. And they were in the same spot. They were the first the first. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right along there. Uh, Zapira Theaters, uh, After Death Do Us Part, was just hilarious. Um uh, the Only Animals Typing Pool. Typing Pool was really great. So they had six or eight uh, manual typewriters and you're paired up and one person was the typist and another person had to stare off in distance and receive the message that was coming to you from what you were seeing <laughs> and narrate that to the typist who then had to type it out and then you pass the paper over to the next person and they read out what was typed. Oh, that sounds and awesome. And some people's were elegant and poetic and other people's were like because they couldn't type. So it was very funny. Uh, I also enjoyed Lisa C. Ravensburg's uh, Walking Where I Check Traps, and she's an Indigenous performer, and it was um, silent by her, but we all put on headphones and we listened to a narrative story while she did a, a very slow dance in front of us. That was that was fantastic. And I'll throw a nod out too to Braggy Theatre's Kid Viking, because it was very well written and very well acted, uh, but I'm really tired of seeing shows where adults play kids with uh, important messages for us as adults to realize. Almost every Stampede or bike ride, there's a piece like this. Uh, most of them end up coming out of uh, the Phoenix Theater, and I'm just tired of that as a format. But it was really well done for what it was. <laughs> <clears throat> but I'm just kind of done with that. Um, so yeah, it was great. I look forward to it every year because it's a, it's a great thing to do. Uh, I feel healthy as I'm riding along to these plays, and I like the community aspect of seeing who I'm there with. You know, at one point I was riding alongside Michael Shimada from from the <laughs> Belfry, and he was out seeing stuff. So you never know who you're going to run into. Did you feel like more like there were more pieces that used technology this year than previous years, or is yeah, that kind of? Yeah, I a... mean, 
there's, I mean, a couple of them for sure. I think because technology is more portable and easier to use, we're going to see more and more of that. Um, I don't think they would ever do it, but I would love to see it happen in the evening or at night because I think you could do fantastic things with light mm -hmm. that you just can't do at, you know, noon to four, or noon to five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, but the potential there, especially with those light cubes right at uh, Crossman mm, Shipyards, yeah. like there's some mm -hmm. really fantastic potential for technological base shows, but we're just not seeing too much of that yet. Yeah, there's kind of an underground uh, crew of people who do uh, nighttime rides on the goose with uh, music and lights and stuff. It might be interesting to connect those two worlds yeah, at some point and do yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, like kind of a special one night only thing. So yeah. that would be very Instead awesome. of a dedicated dance party, have a dedicated bike party. Yeah, something like D that. DBP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you were really busy because you also went to Shakespeare, right? I also went to both Shakespeare shows. So uh, The Tempest and Pericles. Pericles, often called Pericles the Prince of Tyre. In this case, it's uh, Pericles the Hopeful Mariner. Um, uh, I saw them back-to-back -back last week. I went Wednesday and Thursday. I wanted to see them back-to-back -back because it's a rep company. So, you know, three-quarters of the cast are in both shows. And I wanted to see how they both worked under the handle of a different director. So The Tempest is directed by Chelsea Heverlin. Uh, it's a zoo theater mm -hmm, that used mm -hmm. to be based here in town, now based in Vancouver mm -hmm. as well. Um, the Tempest is one of probably Shakespeare's best known plays about Prospero and the Magical Island and Caliban and Ariel and Miranda and all that kind of thing. Um, it's a fine play. It's a good production of it. Uh, it's honestly, not much happens in the play. Like if you've seen The Tempest, there's not that much going on. You know, there's a little bit of drama, a little bit of melodrama. It's, you know, the big... The biggest switch in this one is that instead of Prospero, they've done it with Prospera. So uh, Wendy Magahay is playing Prospera in this case, and uh, she brings sort of a nice uh, queenly elegance to the role. Um, I, I was fine with it. I wasn't thrilled with it. It was fine. It was kind of what I expected uh, from the Greater Victoria Shakespeare Festival from an outdoor piece. It was there. It looked fine. Uh, everyone was fine. And it was fine. Uh, and it so was, was it fine? It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. And you know what? There was a huge house for it. It was one of the biggest houses they'd ever had. It was almost 250 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. And people Amazing. loved it. Amazing. Congrats people to loved them. It. And it was fine. The next night, I went to Pericles. Uh, and it was fucking awesome. Like, I, seriously. Like, I really enjoyed it. Like, for everything that was fine about The Tempest was great about Pericles. It's a show I don't know at all. Uh, per uh Pericles, it was half written by Shakespeare. He didn't even write the whole thing. Uh, he just sort of wrote the ending of it. So it's not performed very often. And uh, Christopher Woodell, the director, um, he adapted this production of it. Uh, he has a long history with Bart on the Beach in Vancouver. Uh, dab hand at directing Shakespeare. And you could tell from the opening scene, like they just came out and it was like, wow, this is going to be so different, even though most of the cast was the same. Mm. And it was just fantastic. It was like watching... A, uh, an action road movie unfold before you. You know, there's being betrayed and having people die and then mir miraculously reunited and all this kind of stuff that was going on and had the opportunity to be incredibly confusing, but it never was. Um, and the cast was great. Like, again, like most of the cast were the same. Uh, but in Pericles, it all really came together. Um, Jack Hayes was playing Pericles, and I found him just fantastic to watch. Uh, Trevor Hinton, uh, he's in both mm -hmm. shows. He plays Caliban in uh, The Tempest, and he plays a whole bunch of people. He played like four people in Pericles. He's always a highlight. Mm -hmm. He was a yeah. highlight. Like, he just embodies his role, and uh, he's great, very physical actor, great fun to watch. 
Uh, Richard Stroh was great in both of the pieces. Wendy Magahay was in both as well. Uh, she was Dionysia, uh, sort of a, a Lady Macbeth almost kind of character in Pericles, and a very good foil from what she was doing in The Tempest. Nicole Bartosinski was great in it. Um, Lara Hamburg. I really enjoyed the cast, and it was such a surprise to me how good of a piece it was because I was expecting almost nothing from it because it was like Pericles. What the hell is Pericles? I've never even seen it. And yet it was so great. It was so great. Do you so, think that came down to the direction? Like that I think was... so much of it was the direction. I mean, you know, like Tempest, it was fine. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody got their lines. They made their marks, you know, they made their entrances and exits. And it was fine. It was like you were watching a play. Uh, Pericles, it felt like you're watching people, mm. you know, and that to me mm. is the mark of a good Shakespeare production. You forget that you're watching a play and they are just so uh, effortless, effortlessly filling out their roles that uh, you just believe it all. Um, Cam Cullum, who's been a long time uh, part of the Shakespeare Fest, uh, he was so charming as sort of the narrator of Pericles as well, almost like a tourist with his camera and his little <laughs> cocky vest. And, moving things along it was it was so so well done uh what i would say for the tempest is it's coming up to sax point in um esquimalt from august 2nd to 4th i think it will really benefit from that uh that setting and uh, it'll be out looking over the ocean it'll really add a whole nother dimension to the play so i'd say if you're going to go see the tempest uh, go see it out at sax point if you're going to see the pericles uh, go see it here at uh, college and do see pericles because it is so good and how much longer is it running Runs till the end of the month. Let me just check. That's a very good question. It just runs forever. Yeah, it's. I think it's till the end of July. We're trying time. to check the program. Yeah, we're trying to. We're, <laughs> we're checking, checking the program. Check in the program. Note to the Shakespeare Festival. Please put dates on your program. July 28th. July 28th. Pericles runs till July 28th at Camosun College. It's definitely worth your time to go see that one. Wow. That was a, like, it's only been, what, two weeks since we last sat around mm -hmm. the table, and we were busy. Yeah. You went to Montreal, even, in the middle of it. I did, yes. And actually talking about all the site-specific work, the Great Victoria Shakespeare Festival, Galloping Goose, uh, one of the things that we did there was a uh, roving circus. So they have a circus festival on, of course, it's Montreal, circus big, um, for, I think it's about 10 days and they actually shut down like Rue Saint-Denis and Rue Saint-Catherine where you go from intersection to intersection following circus performers until the, at like 1030 on a Sunday night, there's hundreds of people out doing this. Um, and then you all land in a park for a half hour, amazing circ performance of, um, aerials and, and uh, contortionists and jugglers and everything. So I, I love the, all the site-specific stuff we have in town. Would love to see more of it downtown, though. And us actually check Government Street for the summer and, and do things like that, that, that go to where the people, the tourists and, and, and people gather downtown uh, regularly, kind of come to where people are as opposed to, you know, having them come up to Camosun sure. in the evenings or uh, yeah, making a point of the Galloping Goose. missing that downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, I checked out the Eventide music series uh, last week, the Indigenous Showcase, and uh, that's the one sort of curated by CFUV, and it's a great series. But like a lot of things I'm noticing at Centennial Square, they're not getting the crowds. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's how the space is designed, and it's the lack of other things going on downtown. It's just not a destination for arts. And on summer nights, it should mm -hmm. be. 
Totally. And the city has, right now, they're doing a survey on how to best use Centennial Square. Um, but, you know, so I'd love to see some more creative use of the space there because it's just, it's kind of a dead space and there's so much potential and there's great programming mm-hmm. happening. So. I, I did I did the survey the other day and I found it interesting. They like just, uh, I highly recommend doing it because it's really easy. They just show you pictures of stuff. <laughs> like that could potentially happen in Centennial Square, and they're like, pick which picture you like best, basically. Mm-hmm. I, was like, so I like it all. <laughs> yeah. I want the lounge chairs. Yeah. I want the swings yeah. at the bus stop. Yeah. I want the music. I want the farmers market. Yeah. So uh, it's an it's an interesting and quick and easy survey. So mm-hmm. recommend uh, taking five minutes and doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess uh, so. What do we got coming up? Preview time. Yeah, coming up. There's all sorts of things. Hedwig's coming up, opening on July twentieth. Um, Sweeney Todd is opening soon. August 1st, I believe, running for, it's usually about 10 days, two weekends. And That's that a Blue Bridge. Be... Yeah. Uh, Concord Floral, Theatre Scams doing Concord Floral from uh, July 31st to August 26th at the old Staples building on Fort Street. Oh, you, you your favorite spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had the art <laughs> show in there, most of the art show in there. Now they're doing a play in there, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Mom's the Word 3, Nest Half Empty, is opening July 24th at the Belfry for their summer show. Um, what else? Paper Street's doing their Yes and Yesteryear uh, at Emily Carr House from July 20th, 22nd. Um, what are you guys going to? Oh, the painting. That's the coming painting. up, too. The I'm Art Gallery painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, this Saturday. Yeah, always a great, great day. Um, crazy busy. Do you ever make it the whole way? I do. Yep. I have, have before you? I had a small I've never child, made it from Dallas but... Road to Fourth Street. I always get the problem is getting oh, yeah. back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and up that hill. But to Dallas Road, then you get the ocean breeze, and yeah. there's lots of kites yeah. out. Usually, it's kind of the little a little treat at the I end. I start at Dallas Road because at the end, by the time I get to the art gallery, that's when the beer garden opens uh, and the music and yeah. stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, if you if you do go to the art gallery, patron uh, pop in and see Kelly Richardson's piece uh, in in the art gallery because okay. it's just fantastic. Uh, it's that big digital piece in the big room. It's really fantastic. And um, Symphony Splash, of course, yeah, is coming yeah, up on August the, 5th. Talk about yeah. crowds and yeah. outdoor event. Yeah. And uh, one thing uh, also happening that weekend that I'm really excited about is the Wonderment series. Have you guys been to? So they did that free ambient show in uh, oh, yeah. Beacon Hill Park. Yeah. Uh, so their edition that's happening on Sunday, August 5th, is at Banfield Park. So in oh. Vic West. Yeah. And uh, they're going to have kind of like a, uh, a live performances using modular synths, so like really cool uh, analog gear. And uh, I think they're going to have a bit of a synth petting zoo there too. So if you're a gearhead, go check it out. Bring the kit. Like it's a family-friendly thing down at Banfield Park. And that's on Sunday between 2 and 6. Uh, and it, it sounds really, really cool. And then I think on the Monday, the holiday Monday, they also do an event in uh, Sydney, uh, on, at the waterfront in Sydney, but uh, yeah, it's it's a cool. Uh, they've been doing it for a couple of years, and they're really like as an electronic music nerd. I love this stuff, and I love seeing it during the day, and I love being able to bring my kid, and mm-hmm. I love it being free because mm-hmm. like I feel like I miss out on a lot of that stuff now that I you know go to bed at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> uh, so I will be checking that out on the August long weekend. Yeah. Also in the free line is the uh, the film festival, the Victoria Film Festival's Free Bee Festival. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Oh, is it Mean that. Girls coming? Yes. 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 So it opens August 3rd, 4th with uh, Babe and Mean 
Girls. Nice. That's what it opens That's with. That's quite a double header. Yeah. We also get some like it hot, Shakespeare in Love, which is one of my favorite movies. Seriously? The original Planet of the Apes. Harry Shakespeare Potter in Love. Okay, what you have it, Shakespeare in Love is one of your favorite you movies. I've seen it like that 15 times. Oh my Seriously. goodness. What is it about it's, it? It's the script. I love the script of it. It's so, so elegantly written and it plays so much fun with all these Shakespearean tropes that we see in shows like at the Shakespeare Fest. And I just, I just love it. In fact, it's become one of our little things. Every time we go to theater, uh, it's catchphrase in the movie. It's like, oh, and a little dog, you know. So when you go to see something and a little dog runs on stage, it's like, oh, and a little dog. So you think it deserved to win Best Picture? I can't remember what I was up against, but I do love it as a piece of film. It's uh, beautifully shot, beautifully scored, uh, beautifully scripted. Uh, you know, Gwyneth is fine in it. Uh, Joseph Fiennes is fantastic. I like him. Um, I like a lot of supporting cast to it. It's now being adapted for the stage as well. It's uh, going to be a Broadway maybe I'll show give it another season. shot. But yeah. I have seen Mean Girls at least fifteen times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. also a Broadway show and now. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. also a Broadway show now. <laughs> the best thing about the Freebie Festival is the audience participation. Yeah. And so yes. whenever I pick what I'm going to go to. I mean, you know, it's on availability, but it's also what are people going to interact with? Yes. Like Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. When people, when I saw Teen Wolf, people were howling yeah. at the crowd. So that'll be good. It's it's so much fun. Yeah. So the other big thing coming up is Phillips. Oh yeah, the backyard, backyard weekenders this weekend. Mm-hmm. The Revolution. The Revolution Prince's epic band. Um, so that'll be a really amazing show i'm sure and reggie watts yeah, so and chick 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 yeah some great yeah. great acts always a super fun festival they mm-hmm. take over the whole street so it's kind of like a block party mm-hmm. a hot block um, party this a hot year. block party yeah yeah it's fun though it's mm-hmm. really fun yeah you talk about enlivening downtown that's one of the great things about it totally you know, mm-hmm. where you see what the potential is where it's got a bit of that austin feel to it where they're blocking off the streets and it's just like okay let's have a good time yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. Well, and uh, so I think that's that's it for this week. Uh, next time we're going to get, well, we'll talk about some of the stuff that we just previewed. I'm sure s- some of us will make it out to a few things. Yeah. And then I think we're going to take a look at the arts, the upcoming art season. Yeah, what's next coming time. up? Yeah. 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 Our, our picks. There's some really good stuff coming out A lot of good musicals. <laughs> some good musicals. Yeah. Some, some not so exciting musicals. <laughs> We will, which we will discuss further next time. So thanks for listening. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Check the program. Uh, you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere now. Uh, but our main website is anchor.fm chat slash check the program or email check the program yyj at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, so that's it for this week's episode. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. I'm John Threlfall. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And don't forget to check Check the the program. program.